It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional-level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Patrick Prince. Welcome to the Goldmine Magazine podcast. Our guest for this episode is the Motor City Madman himself. Ted Nugent. Now, Ted Nugent is a columnist for his sister publication, Deer and Deer Hunting. In fact, you can go to deerandeerhunting.com, where instructor Nugent advises deer hunters and about everything imaginable, from archery to deer ticks. This episode will center on Ted's passion for hunting and how it relates to his music. And it really does, especially his new album, The Music Made Me Do It where many of the songs are related to hunting. But uh, we're also going to talk about Ted's earlier musical career, quite frankly, the music I prefer by Ted Nugent, like the Amboy Dukes, such an underrated band, the Amboy Dukes, and his Stranglehold Great White Buffalo era, two classic songs that I example there. So we're going to be right back with Ted Nugent after this message from CygnusRadio.com. Hey, I'm Ronald Webb, and this is Patrick Prince. And together we host the Goldmine Radio Hour, the show that features the latest issue of Goldmine. The Music Collector's Magazine. Tune in Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on CygnusRadio.com. doing, man? I'm doing so good. It's stupid in spite of the world around me. How about you? Where, where are you right now? Where are you calling from? I'm calling from the sacred effervescent swamps of southern Michigan where the okay. spirit doth soar. <laughs> well, it's good to talk to the Motor City Madman. Do people still call you that? Yeah, one of many uh, <coughs> uh, nicknames that they applied to me all over the wonderful world. Uncle I Ted. A, I have yeah. a relationship with great people, and there's a real comfort zone there, so they come up with all kinds of cute monikers. Well, that's what, what I uh, used to call you when I was a kid, so... Back in the back in the early '80s, so it's cl- uh, cool. Yeah, that's kind of cute. When 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 I was doing uh, 350 concerts a year with the Amboy Dukes from '67 on, we were driving all over the country, and CB radios were a big deal then. So we got a CB radio, try to keep an eye on Smokey, because I, you know, I can't drive 55. Hell, I can't drive 55 in the parking lot. So we would try to cover some serious ground, playing every night. And on the CB, everybody's got a handle. And uh, one truck went, uh, Roger, they're uh, southbound I-95, 
said, what, what's your handle there, boy? And I said, I'm the Motor City Madman coming back at you. And I just literally out of, like a, a, a spur of the moment, I said it and it stuck with me for all these years. That's a great story, man. Can you believe that uh, the Amboy Dukes, can you believe Journey to the Center of the Mine is going to be 50 years old soon? I mean, Yeah, that's... I can. Hell yes. I look in the mirror every day. I got to live with this boy. Yeah, it's really adorable because you, you go back to the Amboy Dukes and my my original motivation bombardment by Bo Diddley and Chuck Berry and Little Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis and how they they, they, they pushed forward the, the, the soulfulness and the musical authority of Howlin' Wolf and Muddy Waters and, and John Lee Hooker and Mose Allison and all these just uppity, outrageous, defiant, irreverent, bold, courageous, I, I think defiant is the most important word yeah. of that, that black musical legacy, and how it touched all of us once Les Paul electrified an otherwise background strumming instrument, and Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley showed us what to do. But that fire that existed then, it, 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 it so it, it, uh, consumed all of us, and it did not be a guitar player to be touched by that that twang and that electricity and that authority, but the drummers and the bass players and the keyboard players and the singers and everybody was so touched by the grind and the groove and the and the the energy of that music that you just couldn't stop it. And the Amboy Dukes were in love with that music, and what a great bunch of dedicated work ethic musicians. Dave Palmer and Andy Solomon and Rick Lober and the great John Brake and, and Steve Farmer and the, the unbelievable Greg Rama. Are you kidding me? We were punk-ass 15, 16, 17-year-old kids yeah. and made killer, soulful music. How lucky and how outrageous were, were we, huh? Well, I got to say, I'm glad you're proud of that, that time because that was great music. And sometimes I feel it's uh, underrated. You know, it's not um, like I was expecting some sort of reissue or um, something for Journey to the Center of the Mind. Maybe there is. Maybe I, I didn't see it, but that it well, deserves. We still, we, we still play that song live, and I mean, you do. Oh yeah, but dun, 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 dun. I mean the grind of the right hand rhythm and the the pulsation and how yeah. Gregor Rama created this. I you know I I orchestrated all the parts, but my musicians were so so superior. They're all they were all better than I am. Gregor Rama was a a legend by the time he was sixteen on bass guitar. And Rick Lober was a classically trained pianist, and and Andy Solomon, who was under the Southern Mind was a classically and jazz-oriented Jimmy Smith and Tchaikovsky. What a great combination. Yes. And, and Dave Palmer really thought he was a funk brother at 15, and, and he was, damn it. <laughs> and what we did what we did on that music and where they took it and the tightness, we practiced all the time. And you listen to that record 50 years later. It was 51 years ago we recorded it. And you listen to how tight just a bunch of kids were. And I hear the you. dedication and the inspiration of those black authoritative musicians that still to this day, 2018, we Greg Smith and, and Jason Hartless and I, we would slam our fists together every night. We, my bands have always done this before we hit the stage. And we would just kind of grind our teeth like wolves fighting over the last shard of, of caribou bone. And we shove our fists together and we go, get down, move down, move down. We, we yell out all of our most influential black guys 
lives of thunder before we go on stage. <laughs> and that's what we did with the Amboy Dukes. And here, 60-some years later, yeah, how cool is that? How cool is that? Now, you started jamming when you were, what, 10? I mean, you Yeah, were... I started playing the guitar. I started beating on it when I was, you know, six or seven years old. And I took my first lessons when I was, I think, nine or 10 from... Uh, uh, from uh, Joe Podorsik at the Capitol School of Music on Grand River in Detroit. And thank God, he was a Motown guy. I mean, literally, he played on Motown Records. He was a session guy there with the Funk Brothers. And Joe uh. and I would play Honky Tonk and Boogie Woogie. And, of course, the pulsations of Honky Tonk and bo Boogie Woogie were so guitar-oriented that that kept me interested and made my fingers follow my guts and my balls and my, my spirit and, and Joe Podorsic taught me all that stuff. So, so you've been uh, playing for like 60 years. That's older than I am. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, I started, I, I, you know, I'm 70 here next month. I know. Uh, it, and uh, I started beating us, that's 64 years ago, yeah. How hey, sev 70 years young. You don't. Hell you, yeah. you well, look the guys, Greg, Greg, and the guys told me when we were jamming these new songs, we so love the new songs. Talking about punk ass, outrageous, horny teenagers in a garage with a first loud <laughs> amplifier. That garage band, Piss and Vinegar, is so apparent on the music made me do it. And I don't know if it was Greg or Jason, but one of them said when we were preparing the record. They said, my God, if the 25-year-old Ted Nugent showed up here, you'd kick his ass. And I think, <laughs> you know, I've, I've, I've been clean and sober for 70 years. I just don't poison my sacred temple. And already this morning, I've been out in the swamp with my dogs. My dogs are completely worn out. So I'm still alive. I'm very, very alive. I've taken good care of myself. That's great. No drugs, no alcohol, no tobacco, no fat girlfriends. I've pretty done all the right things. Did you, that uh... will kill you. That you got to avoid that stuff will kill you. Anyhow, I really take a good care of myself and prioritized and the energy level is, it, it's never been better. I've never had more fun and this record, uh, it, it exudes that positive spirit and high energy love of rhythm and blues and rock and roll. It really does. You, I mean, in the record, you, seeing a picture of you, you do not look uh, 70. That That is just... You well, look, you look about dad. 10 years younger, at least. I, I look back to my dad at 70, and I go, man. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not like that. Yes. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you, man. I got a funny story for you. You'll appreciate this. My son is 11, and he comes home from a friend's house the other day, and he says to me, Dad, he's all excited. He says, Dad, have you heard this great song called Cat Scratch Fever? And I'm like... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah, but he was under the impression that it was a new song, and he was turning me on to it. <laughs> That's cute. Uh, but I got to tell you, with this social media and all this technology, you go to my Facebook and you get that kind of stuff all the time. I really think that this unlimited universal communication, I use Facebook, yeah. and the... The, it's like a camp. It's like an electronic campfire. We might not be able to look each other in the eye, but the positive, uninhibited communication and spirit and love of the music. Hallelujah! There yeah. are people that know every nuance of every song and every record I've ever made. They can identify without my input the influence of a certain lick in a certain song, and 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 that so fans the flames. Yes. of my love of music that there are 
unlimited people who love it like we do, Pat. Say hella motherfucking Louie. <laughs> well, I was going to say, speaking of cat scratch fever, you did a you did backstrap fever. Why not? I like to celebrate <laughs> the sacred flesh. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the battle cry all across America this time of year is backstraps. I mean, we, we hunt the, the mighty deer and elk and yep. moose and, and prong. We, we hunt, we love this hands-on, you know, wallowing breaststroke of the whitewater rapids of God's miraculous renewable creation of critters and the, the, the delicious garlic and butter orgy that, that takes place. Uh, it really is a, a spiritual time that is, is important to us in 2018 as it was to Cochise in 1825 or whatever. Did you, it really did, is a, an instinctual, natural uh, creation celebration when you actually hone your predator skills to stalk and kill, harvest, and process your own sustenance. So the, the term backstrap just, just tended to fit in the cat scratch fever link, and I've always sang backstrap fever around the campfire, so we actually recorded it. I think it's adorable. I'm glad that you have, uh, you know, admiration for the Native Americans and are influenced by them. Cause well, they, listen to all my songs. I know. It's been, been since Great White Buffalo, man. <laughs> that's, that's, their, that's the theme song. That I was contacted after that record came out. What was it, 71 or so? Yeah, yeah. And, and I was contacted by Native Americans from pretty much every tribe all across this country. And they... they the basic mantra was, how did you know our legacy? Yes. How did you know that story? And I go, I, I don't know how I knew it, but I just, I didn't write the song. I cranked out the lick. Yes. We recorded it, take one, and I just sang what I felt, and I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know the song was going to be called Great White Buffalo. I didn't know I was going to sing lyrics about the Great White Buffalo. Right. I didn't even know who the hell the Great White Buffalo was. But somehow in my life at the age of 20-something, yeah. as, a bow, as a guy who hunts with a bow and arrow with Fred Bear, and it's an important part of our life. It's very spiritual to connect with the animals that will feed and clothe. The I was just going to say that. The Native Americans respected the animals that they killed, and yes, uh, they and used that is alive and well. They used and so every. They bit. all contacted me, and they said the lyrics to your song is our legacy. It is the, the legend of the Great White Buffalo. I went, right. damn, that was divine intervention. I think, man. <laughs> it sounds like it. I was. I wanted to ask you what. What did you learn first? Did you? What what interest did you have first? Playing guitar or hunting? Geez, I was born in a in a casual hunting family. My dad yeah. just got back from World War Two in Korea, and hunting was as pure as breathing, and 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 working hard and playing hard in that time period because it was because it was and it remains the most natural uh, monitoring system of the wildlife habitat that will produce that shot at the deer or the pheasant or the grouse or whatever wildlife right. we harvest. And it was, it always has been, and more emphatically now, you want quality of life, it's going to come from quality air, soil, and water, which can only come from quality wildlife habitat, and that will only be managed if the wildlife it produces is valuable and utilized with reverence. Duh! Boy, it's like, didn't somebody feel compelled to teach what I just said in the school someplace? And of course, the, the painful and heartbreaking answer is no, they didn't. But here's Uncle Ted to the rescue. My point being is that it was such an important part 
part of my upbringing, but at the same time, Pat, what was on the radio? Johnny Be Good? Yes. Little Richard? Tootie Fruity? A long, tall Sal? Are you kidding me? So what a, what a confluence of original aboriginal spirit and lifestyle and this new outrageous and to the current demographic of the time scary new music <laughs> so i was i was in the vortex of the purity of the spirit of the wild and the outrageous defiance and irreverence dare i say long to like to ball all night of this new music with little Richard, this gay black dude with a pompadour singing about whacking your daughter. I mean, what? What? I dare you to name two things that are more extreme than the purity of harvesting your own annual gifts of food and clothing and shelter and tools and weapons and spirit from God and little Richard. <laughs> <laughs> that too hey i wanted to i wanted to point out to readers that um you know goldmine magazine's publisher fnw media also uh publishes deer and deer hunting and you are a blogger for deer and deer hunting and maybe How about that? i just turned in i turned in today my 270th ted nugent or i should be called the nuge blog at deer <laughs> at deerhunting.com but how here what are you kidding me pat so here we are talking about the the impact of music on our lives and a sister publication is talking about what you just mentioned yes the music and the hunting right. i got i i don't have one foot in each camp i wallow and gyrate full-time in both camps and what a, what a great connection that is huh well i'm sure there are gold mine readers that are hunters deer hunters so i wanted to point that out maybe they don't know but that's important to point out because i use the what well, there's so many angles I could take on this, but the most simple um, condensed version is that willful, intentional disconnect from nature that modern man has um, brought upon himself, which is dangerous and, 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 and negative, the healing powers of nature is what I attribute the energy and piss and vinegar factor in my music. No one else could have created the stranglehold lick because it came fresh from the swamps of Michigan that is so primal with a with a sharp stick I'm going to kill a beast to feed my family if I absolutely apply myself to be the best that I can be and my music energy has touched so many people that were already brainwashed to be anti-hunting because why would you ever murder a defenseless animal that kind of insipid dishonesty and ignorance and political correctness. I have reversed that in a demographic that is not available to the entire hunting industry. I and I alone, am I bragging? You're damn right I am. <laughs> because I have used my rock and roll bully pulpit to let young people know, and old people too, 
that clean and sober as a higher level of awareness reasoning predator will also make your guitar more energized and sexy. And no one has even thought that thought before, much less promoted like I have for 50 plus years. Well, you know, for people in the cities, they just go to McDonald's. They don't hunt for their food, you know. So it's... So they don't if they understood the Native American ways that you were talking about, and if they understood that they had a hunt for it. Most of them do, Pat. I still, hey, Uncle Ted, how's the hunting going? From a city guy in a three-piece suit, or a cop, or a or a or a or a or a a bratwurst vendor on the corner of Fifth Avenue and Fifty Sixth Street. I mean, so what I am. Yeah. The truth, logic, and common sense of hands-on conservation, honest, reverential utility of our precious, renewable wildlife resources, it is only ignored and hated by really a sick element of our society because everybody knows you have to harvest the surplus. Everybody has an Aunt Edna that went through the windshield of their Buick because Bambi ran in front of her. Ignorance is one thing. But stupidity is when you go to uh, uh, irresponsible lengths to protect your ignorance because it makes you feel good. Meanwhile, when you implement that ignorance, deer are dying of starvation, wild ground and habitat is being destroyed by overpopulation, and tax dollars are wasted to fix the damage control that we weren't allowed to quality control by having an annual hunting season for bears and deer and whatever it takes. So. My truth, logic, and common sense that I celebrate at DeerAndDeerHunting.com every week, pretty mm. much every day, and on my Facebook, and even on my stage, my rock and roll stage in every interview, just like the one I'm having with you right now, I promote real conservation, real reverence for wildlife, just like the Native peoples do, because it's alive and well in the Nugent camp and every hunting family camp across this country, especially today. It's a mystical time of year, <laughs> and more and more people are waking up to this conservation wildlife respect because of my Facebook and because of my songs like Toothbang and Claw and Fred Bear and Backstrap Fever and Geronimo and me and Great White Buffalo and Living in the Woods and all these songs that I've written about that are high energy rock and roll songs that have a conservation message and people have acknowledged it and thanked me for it for forever. Oh well actually Dan Schmidt, the editor of Dare and Dare Hunter, tells me that uh, Fred Bear is the number one most requested song on radio in his region in Wisconsin. Yes, well, it's since 1990, well, 89 actually when yeah. I recorded it on a on a like all my music, it was a, an emotional explosion that I had to capture in my musical statement because of my great love and admiration and pain of losing the great man. Um, I just made a couple cassettes. We did went to a studio, and I was emotional. And I was a wreck. And that's the best way to make killer music. And my band is so tuned into the pulse of my songs that Gunnar Ross and, and Michael Lutz and I created Fred Bear and put it on a cassette in an hour to send to Fred Bear's widow Henrietta. She she wanted a couple copies for some family friends. Somebody snuck a copy to Doug Podell on radio in Detroit. He didn't even he thought it was a song about Fred the Bear. He didn't know it was about a guy. And he started playing it. And since that day, Pat, yeah. in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, and a couple of stations in Texas and a few around the country, but these three states, since 1989, no song has had more requests than Fred Bear. It has been played at the return of flag draped coffins, 
bar mitzvahs and graduations and funerals and, and, and baptisms and anniversaries and, and opening days of deer seasons and family reunions. I'm telling you, that song has touched more people than any song I'm aware of ever. Well, you took me more moved by that. You touched his widow. Dan told me that you, um, while you were writing the song, you called up his widow to hear the song on the phone, which is I very... tried to sing it and I couldn't. We both cried like yeah. we. I think we were gagging. We were yeah. so choked up because he was such a powerful man, such a loving, uh, powerful presence. And when he died, we just weren't ready for it. And the song happened on its own. I just, I just channeled it. It, it came through me like all my songs do. Um, but that one particularly on an emotional level. And I had to tell Henrietta uh, between gasps that I have to call her back. I'm going to have to relax. I'm going to have to settle down before I can sing this song for you. Yeah. And in the meantime, we recorded it. And then I sent her a cassette, and the whole thing happened. Talking about divine intervention, the guys understood my love of Fred, and I had a, an experimental Paul Reed Smith guitar through an old Fender basement amplifier, and I showed the guys how to where the song went, even though it only happened an hour before, and I'm crying while I'm doing it, and they're understanding what's happening, and they captured it, and we, we did it all, take one, and we mixed it, and that's what we got on the record, on Spirit of the Wild, and that's the song that everybody hears, and it, it really was divine intervention. And to this day, you go to my Facebook and hear all these celebrations by thousands and hundreds of thousands of families. At the, this time of year, they play this song every day before they go hunting. Very, very powerful. I wanted to ask you with the upcoming tour, are you going to have any surprises? Of course you're going to play the classics, right? But do you have any surprises? I took a peek at your last set list, and I like the fact that you play the music, uh, the title track, the music made me do. Um, and so I, I, are there, is there going to be any surprises? Like, for instance, it would be cool to hear, like, Wango Tango. When's the last time you played that song? <laughs> we play that song all the time. Come on! <laughs> I was looking through the set list on setlist.com. I was like, when did he play Wango Tango last? Because when yeah, I saw... We didn't, you know what? It's true. We didn't perform Wango... I think this might be the first year ever. We yeah. didn't perform Wango Tango. But again, can you imagine the struggle of me picking an hour and a half or two hours of my favorite songs? Are you kidding me? I have I have six days worth of my favorite songs. Um, so it just didn't end up in the set list this year, but we've always played it, and still to this day causes people to go nuts. But I'll tell you what's amazing. I guess it's really not amazing. But we played The Music Made Me Do It every night this tour in 2018, and i got to tell you, it's the best tour of my life. Greg and Jason are, are animals. They, 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 they put so much heart and soul into every song, every lick, every concert, every night, and The Music Made Me Do It got reactions like Cat Scratch Fever and Gonzo and Free For All and Dog Eat Dog. Yes. The song just has a life of its own. It's almost like you've heard it before. Yep. And and I remember when you opened with that song when I saw you, I think it was the Intensities and Ten Cities tour. What I'm... a great title. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's going to sit down and go, hey. damn, that Nugent came up with some 
clever ass titles. Intensities in ten cities. Yep. I mean the weekend warriors lick, cat scratch fever, free for all, the lyrics, the songs. I've written some masterpieces. <laughs> and I'm so proud of them. And I think it is a a, a, a a reference to my clean and sober thought, stream of consciousness and grasp of the world around me and my bow and arrow predator level of awareness that I'm able to snatch phrases and, and word combinations out of thin air and they're just fun. Wango Tango, are you kidding me? Pretend your face is a Maserati. Where the hell does that come from? <laughs> that is total stream of consciousness. <laughs> it's so beautiful. I get I mean listen to big fun dirty groove noise. What the hell kind of song is that? The o- the only period that I didn't listen to was with damn Yankees. That that I didn't oh, like. I love the damn Yankees, man. Listen to Don't Tread. That's one of my greatest rock and roll songs ever. Okay, I'll I'll check it out. For some reason, I just it, it was during that time when hair bands were popular, and I was just rejecting a lot. Um, that, so I, maybe I'll go back and check it out. Oh, listen to the listen to the performance on Coming of Age, and don't the second record Don't Tread. Monster lick, as good as any lick I've ever created. What Tommy and Michael and Jack did, they were just mystical virtuosos. They they live and breathe music, yeah. and what a ride! That that entire era was one of my favorite eras of all times. You know, one of your greatest licks is actually on the new album, "Cocked, Locked, and Ready to Rock." That Are riff. Are you kidding me? I, That's a you came up with something that sounds original, which is hard to do in this day and age. And none of that, but I ripped myself off. I ripped off. I, 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 I trend. What would you even call it? I, I flip flopped. Um, stormtrooping. Oh, I, I stormtrooping yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to take a listen to that. All right, yeah, man. I, I love that song. Great song, man. I know I'm on the clock here, so thank, thanks for taking the time, man. And good well, luck man, with. My pleasure. Thank you for talking about the music that I love and that there's so many people that still love this kind of music and I'm a happy, happy son of a bitch and I got fresh back straps and tired dogs and the sexiest wife in the world and I got 14 grandkids and seven wonderful children. I'm I'm having so much fun, it's stupid. I could I could tell you still love your musical influences by uh, I Love You Too Much Baby. That That seemed like a tribute right there to Chuck Berry and Little Richard. Well, uh, such a such a throwback. It was Chuck's birthday just a few days ago. And yeah. I don't know if you follow my Facebook, but I did a tribute to him playing O'Carroll and showing where my right. musical legacy comes from. And you're right. Thank you for recognizing that, because if that's not classic old school it R&B, is. then I don't know what is. Yeah, would be great. I would love to hear you do O'Carroll. That was great. Well, you got to Google, Google me jamming at the Charlie Daniels Volunteer Jam. I forget which year it was, 81, 82, and we played O'Carroll, and Charlie's band killed it! It is in my, in my Birdland tone. I just plugged into one of their amps they had up there. It was heaven on earth! <laughs> it was just the best version of O'Carroll you'll ever hear, and the band killed it! Well, they Ted, they say never you never meet your heroes. Did you ever meet Chuck Berry and Little Dad, Richard? Are you ready? Are you sitting down? Yeah. I played bass guitar for Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley in Florida. Wow. That, wow. Your, your, your head, like you must have been That's in a what? different uh, dimension. <laughs> well, it was, I had to talking about, it was like, it was like, I don't know, I, it, I, the only thing I can compare it to is if somebody invited me to prepare the Victoria's Secrets models for the paint on bikinis, and I had to do it with my nose. Um, it was, 
it was a daunting task <laughs> because I so adored Chuck and Bo, and I knew their songs, and, and, and I don't mean to knock them, but I, the, the, when I played bass for them, I'm, I'm afraid I knew their songs better than they, they did. They didn't <laughs> stick to the original version. But it was such a moment in time. And when I jammed with B.B. King, when I jammed with, with uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, when I, when I played with Hart and Aerosmith and ZZ Top, when I got to jam with Rick Derringer and Brian May and Eddie Van Halen, and I get to play with all these this world-class monster virtuosos, because I'm clean and sober and because I'm a predator, and my level of awareness will determine whether I, I am a successful hunter or not, that same level of awareness allows me to sponge these musical geniuses nuances and their flair and their energy and their spirit and that goes into my music and at 70 it's an unstoppable force and i owe all those monster musicians that have influenced me everything i owe them everything because as a as a musician i'm a fan first i love the music before i even love making the music but because i love it so much i had to make it you know what i mean oh, yeah. it's, it's consuming me it's, it intoxicates me it, it 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 mesmerizes me so yes those days with chuck and Bo playing with those guys and then i i jammed with stevie winwood and al cooper and and, and and mike bloomfield are you kidding me i get to play with the greatest guys that ever lived and 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 those moments are with me always because as clean and sober they settle into my sacred temple and they never go away they're always at my disposal you know what i mean yes do you still have those uh early records that you bought when you were a kid did you save you that know, stuff? I don't. We lost our home here uh, in Michigan, uh, just a, a dream home on the swamps and lakes, to this stacky botrys poison black mold, and so we lost all those old possessions. Oh. Intoxified. Um, and none of that, but I, you know, uh, once the cassettes and eight tracks came in, <laughs> I, I kind of lost touch with all that old stuff. But boy, I remember growing up with that little uh, phonograph in my bedroom and putting a needle on the, the Ventures record and and Dwayne Eddy and, and Lonnie Mack and, and Bo Diddley and Chuck Berry and Little Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis and Elvis Presley and trying to figure out these licks and I did but, but boy it was painstaking it was difficult but man that little record player I can't believe uh, I would put it back to the beginning of the song and learn the lick and put it back and learn the next lick and put it back I don't know how you would do that with the modern technology. And you were well, never, you were never player. the same again. <laughs> no. You became a rock and roll guy. <laughs> yeah, boy. But that's dedication. That's when you know you're. It's a calling, and I, I, I felt that calling, and I, I craved it, and uh, I still do to this day. I can't wait for the next tour. I can't wait to. I played my guitar this morning, and I came up with a lick that is a stone cold son of a bitch, and it's going to turn into into a song. And I just started cranking the chorus, and it's called "Just Leave Me Alone." Uh, don't waste my time. Just leave me alone. And it just rocks like a son of a bitch. Somewhere between uh, big fun, dirty groove noise and just what the doctor ordered and uh, tutti frutti. You know, you're, <laughs> when you do your leads, I do hear uh, Chuck Berry in there. Um, yeah, a lot of that. You can't get away from it. It's so lyrical. It's so melodic and so tense, but 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 grinding. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. Well, keep on rocking, man. Congrats with the new tell album. Tell your son he's a, he's a good kid. He knows good music when he hears 
he, he thought he was turning me on to a new music. And, uh, it's good that he's got him. I felt like saying they don't make music like that anymore. Guitar-oriented rock is just not as popular, unfortunately. With well, the be music. sure he listens to the music made me do it. He'll love that stuff. <laughs> ready to rock the clock, Doc. <laughs> Take care, man. It was good talking to you. Happy New Year. You too. Well, thanks, Motor City Madman. Got that handle for a CB radio conversation. That's a pretty good story. Anyway, that's all for this episode. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes with guests Kenny Jones and Roger Earl. And you could go to goldminemag.com for exclusive stories and get a subscription for 60% off. All you have to do is scroll down under subscription. Also, you can find out about many other things on goldminemag.com. Also, go to the newsstand, go to Barnes & Noble and Books A Million, select record stores, and pick up the latest uh, gold mine, which is the White Album Special. That's a December issue. Uh, Everything you need to know about the White Album and its reissue. It's been 50 years, of course. And if you're a Beatles fan, you won't be let down. Or if you're just a classic rock fan. Okay, so we'll see you next time. Thanks, all. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.